able, stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read Luke 2, 25 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. been a joyous time uh, during this Advent season preparing our hearts for the coming of the Lord. We begin to prepare our hearts and minds for celebrating the Lord's birth at this time of Christmas. We read the Bible stories of Mary and Joseph, the virgin birth, angels appearing and singing, wise men. We read a lot of times maybe uh, more uh, in, in the scripture, and I pray that we do. We might get a devotional or do an Advent devotional and read the Bible every morning. Teresa and I have several, and we tend to just spend more time in God's Word during this season. And that's very good. In our men's Bible study, we're reading The Gift of Jesus, Meditations for Christmas uh, by Charles Stanley. And that has been real inspiring so far, just hearing the men share their hearts about the gift of Jesus. The Christmas music, you know, can be just really beautiful and glorious and Christ honoring those hymns. The giving, the giving spirit. Special celebrations stir our hearts. Just all of the events you can go to involving music. Around Christmas, there's a lot to participate in. We were 
at the Parade of Lights last night, and Audrey was in the high school band, and they were all lit up with lights and playing music, and the theme was music and Christmas music, and the floats were all playing music. All these things you can attend to at Christmas, all pointing to Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the gift of God, the greatest gift ever given, the history-altering gift that changed the world forever. This is the focus of Christmas. Today I want to focus on that gift of hope that Jesus brought, that long-awaited arrival of Jesus. Most people think of Christmas being about children and the, the gleam in their eyes and the hope and the wonder and the imagination that children have. It's so great to have children, but <clears throat> what about old people? What we are reading about is two very old people celebrating Christmas today. And we're going to look at other people, too, besides Simeon and Anna. And most of them are other old people celebrating celebrating the gift of Jesus. It had not grown dull to them. It was a long-awaited hope that had arrived. So it's glorious. I was looking at the uh, Anna. It says she was married for seven years to her husband uh, and then lived uh, as a widow until she was 84 years old. So she was at least 84 years old. That's pretty old, especially in that time when life expectancy was around 40-something. You know, the average person in their life expectancy was, wasn't that old, so she was considered old then. But actually, that word can be read there. It could be read, she got married, she's a virgin, then got married, and lived with her husband seven years. So imagine getting married, which a lot of times they did at, you know, 15, 16, early then, and then living with her husband seven years, her husband dying, and then it says, it can say right there in that just transition word, and then lived as a widow for 84 years. So it, it, it's, it's very likely that she could have been around 107 years old. It, it, it's just the change of the word until uh, she was 84 years or lived as a widow for 84 years after that. So despite that, what the Bible is trying to say and what it does say is she was very advanced in years and she is celebrating this baby Jesus. I got to hold our granddaughter uh, as they came for Thanksgiving and she was seven weeks old and I was just very happy to get to see her. It was the first time we've seen her since she was born besides on pictures of course, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see her. It was beautiful to hold her. Well, this is what Simeon gets to do. Uh, originally, I was thinking of, uh, I titled this The Stories of Hope. I just want to tell these stories of hope, talking about Anna and Simeon and some other stories of hope we're going to get into, but at first, in just talking about their story, I was thinking, a man who holds a baby and a woman who prophesies. <laughs> Two old people celebrating Christmas. 
And this is kind of a little bit unusual, but Simeon goes up and it says he took baby Jesus. And if you read the text before that, Jesus is eight days old. So this is a new little baby earlier than the seven-week-old baby I got to hold. Eight days is pretty tiny and new. Uh, and he took baby Jesus into his arms and he celebrated and praised God for this. And it's beautiful. It had been revealed to Simeon. It was his lifelong dream. Uh, he was not going to die until he saw the Lord's Christ. In Luke 2, 26, it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he, could not, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ and promised him. The Holy Spirit had spoken to him, promised that that was his lifelong dream. I wonder what our lifelong dream is. But this dream he held on to and was waiting. And now he takes that baby Jesus up into his arms and he blesses God he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant, this is slave, I kind of talked about this last week, bond servant, you're letting your slave depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. This is an old man about to die, like now I can go on and die, you know, close to death. Because uh, I've seen your salvation, your promise is fulfilled to me, it's that hope in his eyes. I, I can imagine him, the hope of grabbing Jesus and seeing him and saying this, hope-filled eyes and old people. Come on, old people, get on board with me. You, you young children, be inspired that old people can hope greatly and maybe even out-hope you, children. Out, have a glimmer and a gleam in your eye about the promise of God that you've, you've held on to for your whole life and you're never going to let it go until you die. And this is Simeon taking that baby Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation. I can depart in peace. I can die. I can go be with you now, God. You've fulfilled everything to me. My lifelong hope and dream is fulfilled. You've prepared in the presence of all peoples, this child. This is your plan, and you're fulfilling it. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, the whole world, all nations, and for the glory to your people, Israel. So I love Anna and Simeon. They're a part of this hope-filled company. You want to invite some people into your house this Christmas? You want to have some hope-filled company to get around you and say, ah, I'm kind of you know, having a hard time with hope right now. You want to invite some hope-filled company into your home? Who are you going to invite? How about, how about Anna? With that woman, fasting and praying for all those you know, years after her husband died, whether she was at 84 years old or for another 84 years fasting and praying in the temple waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled I invite her in I say come on Anna come on Simeon come in because this is what the word does when you invite the word and you meditate in the word the, it's living it's active the word is not dead these are hope filled people you can invite into your home when you meditate on this season of Christmas oh people celebrating that Jesus is born. So invite these hope-filled, this hope-filled company into your life. Invite them into their, your hearts and minds. Let it prepare your hearts and minds to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Get with some old people that waited a long time and gave their whole life to see Jesus arrive. And when he arrived, they celebrated. They celebrated their heart full of hope. 
that hope in the promise of God had arrived. So we invite other people in the word too. We invite the prophet Isaiah into our Advent celebration of hope. Christmas is about God's salvation, that a child is born, a son is given. We had it in our uh, service today in our liturgy of Isaiah 9-6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, Isaiah hoped 700 years before the arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. He prophesied 700 years before and prior, and he was hope-filled. He was the hope-filled prophet that had received the word of God that a child would be born, a son would be given. He had arrived, and I invite you, Isaiah, into our lives in our Advent season. Fill us with that kind of hope you had. We invite Abraham into our hope-filled company in the book we're reading that that Rifle gave us, and he's leading us through the gift of Christmas by Charles Stanley is a passage, and the, the ones we're going to be digging into this next week about Abraham and his hope. Abraham was promised by God that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in him. He was promised that those who bless you will be blessed. Those who dishonor you, I will curse. And in the you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He called this pagan out of Ur of the Chaldeans and said, I'm going to make a nation of you and through you I am going to bless all the families, all the nations of the earth. This is what Isaiah was prophesying. This is what Simeon was saying, that you have prepared this in the presence of all peoples, all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. This is what Simeon was receiving in that hope, the glory for your people Israel. That was promised to to Abraham. And we know that Galatians 3.16 says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his his offspring, singular. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. See, the ultimate fulfillment of the promise to Abraham was that Jesus would be that offspring that would come through him, that would bless all the nations of the world. It had happened. And you know what Jesus said about Abraham and John? He was in a debate with the scribes and Pharisees over being children of Abraham, and he says to them in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Oh man, what a revelation. Abraham had that hope. I invite Abraham in. Amen. I say, come on, Abraham, bring your faith and your hope. It's what Romans 4, 18 said. In hope, he believed against hope that he should be the father of many nations. And he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, Since he was about a hundred years old. Come on, old people. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver 
concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. In hope, Abraham believed against hope. Hoping against hope means Abraham never was giving up. He never gave up, even when the odds were stacked against him. We're old, I'm over hundred years old. Oh, I still hope, God, it's possible with you. I wait in hope. I wait in hope with my barren wife, not only who's beyond childbearing years, but has never had a child. We're way beyond the years. It's completely impossible for man. But we hope in you, God. We still hope in you. Everything stacked against this being able to happen. And that's when God comes. Abraham believed hope against hope, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. This is Simeon, this is Anna, waiting in the temple for the Christ to be born. This is the hope they had. This is the hope Isaiah had. This is the hope that we are to have. Invite these people into your life during Advent season. Meditate on God's word and those who were full of hope. There's lots of discouraging words out there. But meditate on God's word and invite a company of hope-filled people into your life this Christmas season. How about Philip and Nathaniel when Jesus grew up? Hope continued as Jesus was a grown man and began his ministry and we read in John 1.45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. Now think of the hope-filled eyes. Can you imagine Philip grabbing you? Imagine that you're Nathanael and him grabbing you. Imagine looking into his face and into his eyes and him saying, We have found him. You've got to be kidding. We've been waiting for this since Genesis 3.15, man. The, there's going to be this offspring that's going to be a serpent crusher and come and deliver his people i mean we've been waiting a long time for this serpent crusher offspring that would be born from the seed of a woman this long-awaited messiah the prophet's been talking about all this time and then you have this guy grab you walking along nathaniel and telling him we have found him of whom moses in the law and all the prophets wrote jesus of nazareth the son of joseph can you imagine? This is a younger man, not an older man. We're getting to a little bit younger, guys, disciples of Jesus, and someone grabbing you on the neck. We found him. Look at the hope in that eyes, in those eyes. Look at the hope on his face. You want to stir about Jesus' arrival. He's here. We've found him. Of whom Moses and the law wrote about. Moses wrote... Uh, uh, Genesis and to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you know. Keith Green sang that song about him and said, Moses, put down your pen. Like, come on, you're, you're just writing and writing and writing. When do you ever have time to do anything else? And the scriptures tell us in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. To him you shall listen. Oh, yeah, that's Jesus. That's Moses telling you, I ain't, you, got, you guys got to look forward and hope. God's going to raise up a prophet like me from among you, from among you brothers. And it is him that you shall listen to. 
And Moses was writing and writing. Deuteronomy 31, 24 says Moses had finished writing the words of the law in this book to the very end. He wrote. And Nathaniel is hearing this guy grabbing Philip. We found him. We found him of whom was written. I mean, this, that's a long time ago. We're going back further and further. It's a long waiting. And that hope-filled eyes just, he's here. He's arrived. I love looking into their eyes. They stir hope in me. And I pray God's word stirs hope in you this Advent season. And I mentioned that Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you, sh and he, and you shall bruise his heel. That serpent crusher offspring that would come. Jesus is here. He's treading on serpents and scorpions. He's treading on. He's casting out demons. He's taking over the kingdom. The dark kingdom erupts when Jesus arrives. All of a sudden you hear demons being cast out. And he's healing. He's taking away disease. The kingdom has arrived because the king has arrived. And hope is stirred through the arrival of Jesus. There's other great prophets that I I love, we got a couple of Micahs in our church now. Uh, Micah 5.2, named after this great prophet uh, of Micah, promising that this Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Not only would he be born in a little obscure town, uh, still very obscure even in Israel today. I read about a woman who went over there and said, yeah, it's just a little bunchy you know, run-down little old place, you know, even today. And it was even then. This is where Jesus would be born. And then he would settle in Nazareth, a little obscure, no main town. In fact, that's what Nathaniel ends up saying. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Did you say Jesus of Nazareth? Are you, what? Are you kidding me? This is the arrival of hope comes in just sometimes places we're not thinking they would come. And from people we don't think they would come from. Open up your heart to God's hope that he brings. We know Isaiah revealed that he would be born of a virgin in Isaiah 7, 14. Jeremiah prophesies, Behold, the days are coming, Jeremiah 23, 5, declares the Lord, When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. Come on, Jeremiah, we invite your hope in. That righteous branch of David, a descendant of David, has come in Jesus. Your hope has been fulfilled. Your word that you spoke from God, Jeremiah, has been answered. We look into your hope-filled eyes as you prophesied. And Micah, and Isaiah, and the prophets. And there's many more. Can you imagine their hope-filled eyes? God's faithfulness in his promise and that hope in his promise was fulfilled in Jesus. These Christmas stories give us hope. Jesus promises this comforter, this helper, this Holy Spirit. Yes, he does. Does Jesus promise to never leave us or forsake us? Yes, he does. He promises that. Are those sure promises that we can hope in until our dying breath? It's as sure of a word to hope in. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. 
He's with us. He's in us in the power of the Holy Spirit. In another devotional book we're reading, edited by Melissa Kruger, she actually writes this story. It's written by many authors in these devotions. It's called The Weary World Rejoices, Daily Devotionals for Advent. She meditates on the scripture Isaiah 58.11 about hope in scorched places. Christmas can be a hard season to go through when we've faced something difficult in this year and we're struggling for hope, peace, and joy and all the celebration that Christmas can bring. And she brings comfort in this meditation, this devotion for Advent from Isaiah 58, 11, which says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Scorched places. And make your bones strong. And you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Sometimes we travel through scorched places, places where fiery trials, maybe a destructive storm has threatened to overwhelm and consume us. This can be especially difficult, seems like feels harder when there's just celebration around us. But thankfully, the Lord meets our powerlessness with the promise of his presence. I will be with you in the storm. I will be with you in scorched places. In Isaiah 43, 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. God satisfies our desire. This is mostly from um, Melissa Kruger in this devotional right here. And maybe I changed some words, but it's, it's her thoughts. And it's really ministered to Teresa and I when we read this. God satisfies our desire within the scorched places, reminding us that perfect circumstances cannot fulfill our desires. Even when everything's perfect, it can't fill us. Only he can. He meets our deepest longings by removing outward comforts so we may drink more deeply of our ultimate comfort. God strengthens us within the suffering, not by removing the trial, but by being an ever-present help within it. Sometimes he leads us through scorched places just so we can have nothing else to rely on but himself. Perhaps the most significant surprise comes at the end of this passage. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. We don't just survive scorched places. God makes us a spring that overflows from scorched places. Not only are we refreshed, we become like this garden, but he allows us opportunities to refresh others. 
even in our sports places, even coming out of our sports places, even better during this Advent season, we have the opportunity to share the hope that is within us in the midst, even if we're going through a hard trial and even if we're going in a scorched places. He alone satisfies and strengthens and refreshes us so we can refresh others. I've never been so refreshed as from people that I know are going through or have been going through a scorched place, a difficult place, fighting in their lives, difficult things and walking through those and seeing their hope not be vanquished. Maybe you've had the same experience being refreshed by somebody who is in a battle themselves. But this is what God promises. You shall be like a spring of water refreshing others and giving hope, the hope of Christ to others. May we be like Anna. May we be like Simeon. May we be like these great prophets. And shall we consider the many others and their hope-filled stories? Shall we consider Zacharias and Elizabeth and the son that they had after 400 years of silence from the end of the last Old Testament book and writing and prophecies? God was saying nothing for 400 years. I read an author who said, that's like almost twice as long as the United States has been a nation as we know it. I mean, think of that long and this hope being fulfilled. You know, Zechariah goes in the temple and he's praying and he gets appointed to be the one that offers up the incense. And the incense was the prayers of the saints. And it said a great multitude after 400 years of not hearing anything they got a great multitude gathers in their prayers all of a sudden an angel appears out of nowhere after 400 years of silence to Zacharias when that incense is going up the prayers of the saints multitude gathers outside do not fear Zacharias and he just says and he brings this hope the promise you will have a son and he calls him John look at this Come on, Zacharias. Come on, Elizabeth, barren womb. You're going to have a child. <laughs> and Jesus is going to say of him, there was none born greater among women. That's Jesus' words than John the Baptist. Wow, what hope-filled stories the Bible has for us at Advent season. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he'll prepare the, prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple, this is Malachi, closing word for that 400 years of silence, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, and 400 years of silence till John the Baptist comes. Seems slow in our time, but he is not slow concerning his promises. He has promised, and he will deliver, and let never your hope waver. Like Abraham, hope against hope, when you think your hope is wavering, hope again against hope. Hope, though all the odds are stacked up against you, hope and believe. And I remember Karen's mom, Mother Ingrid, telling me to hope and to not give up. And she says, it wasn't until I was 50 years old, Bobby, 
that I got sober, keep hoping. Don't ever give up. You don't know when that time will be. And she spent the next 30, 40 plus years of her life helping others be delivered from the captivity of Satan and his snares, leading them to salvation. Hope. And I close with this from the gift of Jesus by Charles Stanley, where he says, and the whole multitude of people that were praying outside at the hour of incense that was offered, Zacharias's job was particularly important because the incense symbolized the prayers of the people rising up to God. And as the smoke ascended to heaven, the Lord sent his answer. The angel of the Lord appeared and said, your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. And God has not forgotten. He hears your prayers as well. And your prayers are a fragrant, come on church, aroma to Christ. And continue to hope in God and lift those prayers up to him during this Advent season, even if you're in a scorched place. And know, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, hope against hope, that God hears those prayers and they're a fragrant aroma and he answers them in his way and in his time. Amen, believers? Amen. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion together and we're going to sing a closing song that Mary wrote and it says, in the beginning, this is portions of it, the prophets foretold the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Emmanuel, everybody know what Emmanuel means? She says it after that. God with us here. Emmanuel, God with us now. The Holy One come down, heaven to dwell. In glory angels sing and stories tell. That's what we've been telling, stories of hope. The stories that we've told. The wonders of the God of Israel, Emmanuel, God with us. Come and take a cup back to your seat of the fruit of the vine and the bread of life and hold them in your seat and we'll pray together and take them together. Please come. explaining to some as you're visiting here we're glad you're celebrating at the table of the Lord with us and the breads in the bottom cup so on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and gave thanks to the father he said this is my body 
given for you. Take and eat of it. Let us partake together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus, the bread of life, the manna that came down from heaven. We thank you, Jesus, for taking that journey all the way from heaven down to this earth to be made lowly like us. He became one of us, the word of God made flesh, Emmanuel. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of your body upon that tree as you died and you suffered and you bled for us that our sins might be forgiven. You alone, your body alone, who perfectly obeyed the law of God, the law that Moses wrote and recorded, the perfect and holy standards of God, your perfect life alone, Jesus, can cleanse us and save us from our sins. We praise you, Jesus, and we thank you for the gift of your body. Amen. And in like manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the blood of the covenant given for you for the remission of sins. Blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me, and and do this until I come again, until I return. Let us partake of the cup together.
the Lord. Give him praise. Please receive this benediction and closing prayer. You are blessed in Jesus, the hope of the world. Go and tell that Emmanuel is here, God with us, the gift of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love one another.